Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we'll check in with Liam Jones, the GM of Bracket Busters. Bracket Busters was a 2015 team in TBT and was a mashup between Florida Gulf Coast and Mercer, two teams that really had some awesome upsets in NCAA tournaments in the past. Liam's actually a freshman in college and was just graduated from high school last year when he organized this team. It's really an awesome story for anyone that's ever been a fan of a team and really wanted to get involved. Remember to subscribe to TPT's podcast on iTunes and leave us a rating. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. Hey, Liam. Hey, Dan. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Listen, I know we've never actually actually met in person, and uh, I think we communicated a few times over email, but it's actually a great opportunity to get a chance to talk with you, uh, at least over Skype. Um, what was the story last year with the Bracket Busters team? That was the team that you were the GM of. Well, it initially started as I had actually gotten an email back in the first year of TBT asking asking if I could create an FGCU team because they knew I was, you know, kind of involved, you know, and knew some of the players. And at that time, um, FGCU didn't have enough alumni kind of, you know, in the professional ranks to put together a team. And also I was only 17 years old, so I couldn't really put together a team um, according to the rules. So then this this time I reached out to a couple FGCU players and then they eventually brought the idea to me to, you know, merge with Mercer and create uh, what turned out to be the Bracket Busters. So that's actually a little kind of an important piece of context there. So in 2014, you were only 17 and ineligible because you have to be 18 years old to participate in any capacity. In 2015, you turned 18. I assume you graduated from high school during that period of time, huh? Yeah, I graduated um, this spring and then over the summer between high school and college is when the Bracket Busters competed in TBT. So, One of the things that I was reading about you and you know, I remember Jesse Leeds telling me about you when he was um, you know, first talking to you last year was that you actually edit a blog for Gulf Coast, uh, Florida Gulf Coast basketball called The Eagle's Nest. How did you get started in that? Well, I'm actually from uh, the Chicago area, but I have a lot of uh, Fort Myers where FGC is located. So I kind of, you know, familiar with the program, familiar with the uh, basketball team there. So a few years ago, I had started the website to, you know, just write about FGCU basketball. At that time, I was really getting into journalism. So over the years of, you know, doing that site, I kind of familiarized myself with the players, doing interviews with them, and eventually got to know them well enough to um, put together the bracket busters. So you mentioned that you had family down there, but did your interest in the team originate when they made that run in 2013, or was that something that was there before they even made that uh, NCAA tournament? I was always kind of checking up on them, you know, seeing how they were doing. But after you know that 2013 run, I bigger market for a site like this. There'd be more readers, there'd be more fans interested. So that's when I tied my journalism interest into, you know, FGCU as well. So you would have started that when you were 14, 15 years old, that blog? 15. Now, at 15, most kids are probably just figuring out how to manage their workload that they have in high school or whatever, and you're kind of taking on additional responsibilities. Why was that, that you decided to actually keep going and, and get that going? Well, I really wanted to kind of like do something. I really and kind of, you know when I had ideas doing something with them and like this site allowed me to do that. If I had, you know, someone I wanted to interview an article I wanted to write, I could just go out there and do it. So that's what was really interesting to me is just being able to, you know, 
go out and accomplish the things you want to. So. And did you start it independently or did you start it on scout.com? I started just independently. It was actually on .blogspot.com there for a while until I, I got an actual domain name. And then at the beginning of uh, 2015, I joined Scout then. How did that relationship become uh, um, in effect? I had reached out to them um, at the towards the end of twenty four or twenty fifteen, and they, I wasn't expecting anything considering they had no other websites in the Atlantic Sun Conference. And then I got an email back about a month later saying you know they were interested and they'd like to get on the phone. So it kind of just took off from there. When you first started doing the blog and and you know kind of starting to write about Florida Gulf Coast, did you have other than family that lived down there, any connections to the university at all? Oh, uh, no, not really. Just the family down there that I've visited a few times, you know, been to a few games. So that was pretty much it. So how did you start to develop the relationships with either the program or the players? How did that all come into place? Um, well, obviously not being down there, living in Chicago, I couldn't, you know, be at the games all the time. But I would try and make it, you know, for a few games a year. Or if they ever played up in, you know, the Midwest, I would make it there. And I would also do phone interviews with players, coaches, and things like that. And I kind of just got to know the program, got to know the players and things like that over the years. So, What was their reaction? Did they know you were 15, 16 years old when you were doing this? Uh, I think at first they didn't. Um, and that kind of, you know, a lot of people are surprised by that. And then when I would come down for a game or two, they kind of, you know, realized and were surprised. But, you know, it still worked out, so... What was their reaction? I mean, it's always interesting when you meet someone in person for the first time and either maybe they're taller or um, they look differently than what you expected. But I'm curious when the age gap is might be there, you know, what was their reaction where you've got some 20 year old college sophomore junior meeting a, a 15, 16 year old who's interviewing him? Uh, I think they were kind of surprised at first, but once they kind of, you know, get to realize that, you know, I'm asking the same questions that, you know, your typical journalist would ask, you know, they just get into the routine of it and they're kind of accepting and don't really, you know, look at me. It's just a 15 year old high school student. So, so from a timing perspective, did you actually start the blog before that 2013 run when they were the 15 that, that made it to the sweet 16? I started it in the summer after that. So right before the 2013, 14 season. Okay. And so it must have been a big boon to you to see that the team had had success, that they had some marketable and and, and really interesting players that were playing for them uh, from that 13 run. So was that run something that you were watching from afar and saying, oh, man, this would be a really great thing to cover? Yeah, that's what I had seen. I would, you know, I'd watch them knock off Georgetown, knock off San Diego State and really run with Florida. And that was something that was pretty exciting. And I figure with the players they had and the culture of the program that something was pretty sustainable and i wanted to get on board and you know to this bigger market that's you know growing and growing till this still to this day so so i think you've cut out there a little bit but my follow-up question was going to be when you decided um to start this blog and, and to kind of initiate it what was it about the program itself i mean dunk city was obviously really exciting and they play an exciting brand of basketball and stuff but was there something about the culture that was easy for you to make that decision that you wanted to jump in and, and cover it full time? I think it was just that all the players seemed like they were having, you know, so much fun with the run and there's a lot of transparency there. They seemed very, you know, down to earth and the program seemed like it was, you know, just a big family and they were all just 
you know, having fun with the game. That's eventually what led them, you know, to having so many upset wins is, you know, playing together and having fun like that. So last year when you decided to put the team together for TBT, you actually did a mashup of a Mercer team and a Florida Gulf Coast team, uh, both of them Atlantic Sun uh, squads, former rivals. How did that relationship develop? Well, initially I had reached out to Sher- <laughs> sorry about that Sherwood Brown and Chase Beeler from FGCU. And I was trying to, you know, put together a roster. And FGCU being a young program, they don't exactly have a ton of, you know, former players still in the professional ranks. So we were kind of having a tough time, you know, filling out the roster. And Brett Comer, who ended up not playing with us, but at the time was had the same agent as former Mercer point guard Langston. He brought the idea to me and said, hey, I was talking to Langston. They might be interested. And that's kind of how it came to be. So, yeah, we had a little connection thing there. But it's Langston Hall that seems to be the first domino to fall into place for Mercer, right? Yeah, because Brett Comer and Langston Hall at that time had the same agent and were working out, you know, pre-draft and stuff like that in San Antonio. And they were talking about it. And that's how, you know, the Mercer guys got involved in this. So was there any bit of a pitch that you had to do to Sherwood and the other guys from Florida Gulf Coast to go with their former rivals? Uh, No, I think they were um, with two rivals like that. There's obviously a lot of competition involved, but there's also a lot of respect between the two. And I think they acknowledge that. And, you know, playing against each other over the years, it's kind of nice, you know, going against each other. Um, competing really hard to play with each other, you know, not right. having to deal with, yeah, you know. So I think they, it wasn't a tough sell at all. They were, they were really interested in, you know, adding some former Atlantic Sun guys. How did you make the initial approach to the guys from Florida Gulf Coast about starting the team? Um, I had the first year of TBT. I contacted Sherwood Brown after I had, you know, gotten the email from TBT about it, and then I realized I couldn't couldn't make the team because I was only 17. So I just told Sherwood, you know, we'll put it on the back, board, back burner and I'll, you know, let you know again next year. So then I reached out to him um, for 2015. And it was still kind of a tough sell because when you go to someone, you tell them there's a million-dollar basketball tournament and it's free to enter. There's a little bit of hesitation, you know, even for me, not just the players. But once you kind of, you know, once they researched it and figured out what it was, they were really all on board. Let's start with you. What was your hesitation? Did you have doubts about legitimacy or something, or what was the what was the hesitation there? Oh, not after when I had first gotten the email in uh, 2014, before you know the tournament had even started. At first, I got the email. I was a little hesitant, and then you know I started doing my research. You know, looking at all the the websites, you know, all the press releases and things like that. And I was really excited about it. And that's why I wanted to do it in 2014, but unfortunately couldn't. So I was all on board in 2015. And then it was all about just, you know, selling it to the players. Right. And then what was the sell process like to the players? Was Did Sherwood, had those guys heard of it? Or was it a situation where you're they're kind of coming into this blind? Uh, Most of them hadn't heard of it. So I just told them, you know, it'd be a great opportunity to get back with, you know, your former college teammates you haven't played with in a while, and hey, might as might be able to win some money as well. So, um, it was kind of tough at first, but once you know, I got Sherwood and Chase involved, the ball started rolling, and things kind of took off from there. What was the extent of your relationship with those guys prior to making the pitch for the TBT team? I know it sounds like you had interviewed them before, but would they have known you if you texted them out of nowhere? Uh yeah, I had, after they had graduated from Florida Gulf Coast, I had kept in t- touch with them. 
when they were, uh, you know, I was actually in Chicago for a little bit there after FGCU doing some workouts. So I met up with him, but I hadn't, you know, besides interviews, I hadn't really, you know, talked with them a ton, but I think once they, you know, saw the opportunity, they were really, really excited about it. So how did you portray your role in the whole event? Like what was your, what was your story that you were going to do and what were you going to do to add value to this operation for them? I told them I would just, you know, organize it, you know, and the big part of it being, you know, getting all the fans needed to uh, to compete in TBT. And we ended up earning a first round buy because of the fans, you know, that supported us. So I told them, I, you know, I'd handle that, the social media, the fans, you know, organizing that part of it. And, you know, they'd, <laughs> they'd obviously be playing the basketball. So and uh, as well, we were initially trying to, you know, find a business sponsor to, uh cover costs for that first weekend that ended up not working out but we did kind of a a crowdfunding crowdsourcing campaign that i managed reaching out to some mercer and fgcu alumni kind of just to help out to get all the players coming from all over the country to atlanta so tell me about that how did that come about well after i realized it'd be a hard sell for a lot of businesses to sponsor us for um considering we hadn't you know fully locked down our roster yet and it was our first year playing I started just sifting through alumni databases of FGCU and Mercer, and then I set up a GoFundMe page, and then I started just reaching out to as many as I could, you know, saying, you know, look, these guys that kind of put FGCU on the map revolutionized the basketball program there are getting back together, and if you could, like, help out um, them traveling all to Atlanta, you know, to compete again, that would be great. So did that work? Uh, yeah, that worked. We ended up raising just over a thousand dollars, you know, to help get the guys to Atlanta. So. That's fantastic. Was one school more supportive than another? Uh, no, I wouldn't say they were both, you know, equally supportive. You know, the alumni at both schools, Mercer being al- around a little longer, but FGCU is really growing. So they're both alumni bases. Are, we're really interested in the event and really excited to support it. Now, a lot of times when you do like a GoFundMe project or a um. Uh, another crowdsourcing uh, project like that, there are things that are given away, you know, like little prizes or opportunities. Did you mix in any stuff like that? Um, I didn't. I know some, you know, a lot of TBT teams did like autograph sessions and things like that. And the thing was, a lot of our players were coming in from a lot of different states across the country. And it wouldn't, it wasn't really feasible to do things like that because they all arrived, you know, the night before the game and stuff like that. So Hopefully next year, if we have a little more time, we could do something like that. But this year, it was kind of tough just time-wise to, you know, do stuff like that. I met people to give away uniforms, signed uniforms or shirts or something like that that um, they wore last year. You know, that might be actually a lot of interest in something like that, I would suspect. Yeah, that would be, that's kind of some ideas going into next year that could be, you know, good to do that. So what else do you have in mind for this year, this upcoming season with 2015? I mean, I assume that the team is going to be back in some form, right? Yeah. All the guys, you know, at the we exited early la- early last year, but all the guys were, you know, were glad to be back together with their former college teammates and were, and, you know, interested in next year. So I think we're. Just, I'm just going to start planning, you know, sooner than last year. You know, really make our roster, you know, heading into the tournament. So, which of the guys on the roster that you had was not able to make it? Again, I wasn't. I apologize. I wasn't in Atlanta to see the games, but so you had a couple of pig. I think some key pieces maybe that weren't able to make it because of some conflicts, right? 
Yep, Eric McKnight from Florida Gulf Coast and Daniel Kersey from Mercer both couldn't make the first round in Atlanta. Daniel Kersey was playing with the D-League Select team in the Las Vegas Summer League, and Eric McKnight was at an exposure professional camp in Las Vegas as well. So unfortunately, both of them couldn't make it, but I'm happy you know, they were able to you know, kind of continue their professional career through those events as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it sounds like you keep in touch with these guys in the offseason too, right? Yeah, I try and I always am, you know, checking up on how they're doing in their respective leagues, you know, keeping up on their stats and, you know, texting them, calling them. It's kind of difficult sometimes them being overseas and all, but I try and keep in touch as best I can. I have noticed that you've produced a few videos and some highlight reels that kind of mix you know, TBT footage with some other stuff that the guys are up to now. Is that something that you're doing for fun, for hobby? Or are you trying to lay the groundwork for 2016? What's the motivation there? Uh, I'm really, actually right now I'm interning in the IU athletic department doing video and I love doing video, digital media, things like that. So that's just a fun opportunity to put some videos together and um, let FGCU and Mercer fans know how these alumni are doing, you know, across the globe. So that's kind of just a cool opportunity to do that. And also kind of create some continuity with TBT and know it hopefully create something. It's not just a one-year thing, you know. It's something that can continue on as it grows. Have you talked to any of the guys in the team about adding in some alumni maybe from other schools that have had major upsets in the NCAA tournament and kind of really blowing out the bracket busters concept? I haven't talked to them about that yet, but that'd certainly be something interesting. I know there's a lot of, you know upsets over the years that have created some very iconic moments and names that'd be pretty interesting to put together in TBT. What was the motivation for using that? I mean, obviously we know that Mercer, you know, beat, um, beat Duke and you have, uh, you know, Florida Gulf Coast run, but that, that phrase bracket busters, um, it really fit in well, both with in terms of the NCAA tournament and what happens in TBT. And I'm curious what your uh, thoughts were on coming up with that name and kind of running with that concept. Well, Chase Feeler um, from FGCU brought me the idea of asking fans what we should uh, name our team once we had merged with Mercer. And that was one of the main suggestions was Bracket Busters. So we all kind of, you know, got together, agreed on that, thought it was a nice name, had a little ring to it. So we picked that and it <laughs> didn't ring true this year. But you know. Well, if anything, I was going to say that it sounded like your bracket might have been busted. I mean, you guys earned a four seed in the South and ended up getting upset, I think, by a 15. And, you know, I've just the taste that was left in the mouth has to be something that these guys want to jump right back into and, and try to, you know, for being dramatic, but avenge their loss from 2015. Is, have they spoken to you about that? Uh, I, I just uh, recently received a text from one of the guys asking if uh, we were going to compete again next year. And I said, yeah, I'd gladly, you know, organize a team again if you guys are interested. So he said, you know, he's going to talk to everyone, see what they were, see if they were interested. But I can't speak for them, but I'd definitely be interested, you know, you know, getting, getting a little further next year. What was your impressions of it now having competed in the event? What was your impressions of TBT? I thought it was a really well put together event in terms of the, you know, the venue, everything like that in terms of just the whole professionalism of it. When you get summer events like this, a lot of times, you know, they're kind of, you know, put together at the last minute and things like that. But all the guys were really, you know, impressed with how it was uh, put together. Did you all have time to practice before the game? Or no? Oh, we did not. We, uh, prior to the game, we were in the locker room looking over some stuff on the whiteboard. But besides that, the guys had not practiced together. You know, so. I was thinking before you all played that we might see something like almost like a hockey shift 
you know, where you've got a whole <laughs> line. Did you, did that happen at all? Um, they had actually talked about it since we only had two guys from FGCU, uh, Sherwood Brown and Chase Feeler. When they were off the court, some of the Mercer players were going to try and run some of their, you know, sets from back in the day. So I think, you know, that happened when both Sherwood and Chase were off the floor. Did you end up watching any of the rest of the games after you you guys were eliminated? Oh, yeah. I I was um, watched a lot of the games that were in Chicago, and I ended up watching the championship as well. Those were pretty high-level games that were pretty exciting to watch. Did you hear from any of the players after those games and say, man, that could have been us? We could be walking <laughs> off with that million bucks? I didn't hear that, but I'm sure, you know, I was thinking, and I don't know if they were watching, but that'd be something pretty awesome to do. It sounds like, Liam, when we talk to you that, it was really a cool opportunity, first off, to start the blog and start kind of following this team. And then as it progressed, you got to really, it sounds like you really get to know these guys. I mean, is that sort of how the transition was for you, is that you went from kind of covering them from a distance to getting to know them, and now you're actually, you know, for lack of a better term, you're kind of like bonded with these guys now? Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with when they're overseas, you know, playing ball, you just kind of seem disconnected from, you know, back in your college days, not trying, you know, keep that bond going and, you know, help keep all the fans and alumni connected with them, you know, see how they're all doing, you know, by posting things, videos, stats, things like that to kind of keep them tied in with FGCU and, and Mercer as well to, you know, keep that connection going until this day. So, What's your, your um, background in Indiana? Was that a family school or did you just decide to pick it for a specific reason? Oh uh, yeah, my uh, my parents had went there, and I, you know, Midwest, I couldn't really leave it. And uh, Indiana, it's a great basketball school. Things are kind of different here, but I love it. What what's your what's your impression of what's different? Basketball's not just a game here, really. It's kind of a way of life. Not just you know at Assembly Hall, but if you walk into the rec center, things are pretty intense. In terms of like kids that might have played in high school in Indiana, or are really kind of dominating the intramural scene there, that kind of thing? I guess you could say that. Things are just taken a lot more, you know, seriously than they would at a lot of other schools. And you can walk into the rec center at any time of day and you'll find a game to play in. So, Do you, do you play yourself? Oh, uh, yeah. I try and get there a good amount. What's the, so what's the, um, I mean, it's just, I'm fascinated by this because I never actually had heard about the non, uh, you know, varsity uh, component of Indiana basketball. But so you're going in there playing games, maybe 1030 at night, 1130 at night, like a college freshman typically would something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's, it gets pretty packed in there and it gets pretty uh, serious, but it's, it's fun stuff. Um, how are you enjoying watching big, um, big 10 basketball versus sort of the Atlantic sun? It's certainly a different breed of basketball and uh, assembly halls like, pretty special place and if you haven't been there i'd recommend you know trying to get to a game there it's it's just something else when you're doing this are you working as an intern with the athletic department now or a student job of some sort how how did that come about oh yeah i'm interning you know just part-time in the video department doing whatever they really need me to do so do you have an interest in getting involved in basketball professionally down the line Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I'd love to tie in, you know, my business with basketball. Basketball is one of my passions. So it'd be great it, if it's not possible, you know, can't. Friend. I was kind of scrolling through some of your um, some of your Twitter feed before we started, and it looks like you're just a huge sports fan in general. I mean, there's tweets from everything from the Cubs to the Bulls to the Blackhawks and uh, everything else in between. Is that is that kind of 
you know, your passion is sports in general or is basketball like far and away ahead of everything else? Basketball is definitely at the top of the list, but I know I love all my Chicago teams. You know, I'll support them. I'll watch them. But basketball definitely had, you know, is a special sport for me and something I really love. So. You sounded pretty excited in the December period of time around the winter meetings for baseball about some of the signings the Cubs have had this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm certainly really excited. Expectations are pretty high, so I'm hoping they can, uh, you know, fulfill them. Have you ever thought about what you would do and what it would be like if the Cubs ultimately win the World Series? It would be, I just wouldn't want to be in the, the streets of Chicago when it happened. I think things would get pretty crazy. <laughs> well, hopefully it happens soon because I think that those fans could really use something after a hundred and some odd years of frustration, you know? Yeah. Fingers crossed on that one. So we'll definitely say, it sounds like we'll see you back in tw- uh, TBT in 2016, Liam, right? Yeah, I'm, you know, doing my best to put it all together. Excellent. See, see you guys then. Excellent. I appreciate your time, Liam, and I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate me having me on. Thank all right. You. Bye-bye.